Welcome to I'll Jump First, the podcast for teachers by teachers in District 64, Park Ridge, Niles, Illinois. I'm Kevin Michael, the instructional technology coach at George B. Carpenter Elementary School in Park Ridge. And today I will be joined by Rebecca Keenan, fifth grade teacher at Carpenter Elementary School. We'll be talking about an upcoming service project that she and her students are embarking on with the help of the students, staff, and community of Carpenter Elementary School. And we'll talk a little bit about service projects in learning as well as project-based learning during our interview today. This is Kevin Michael, Instructional Technology Coach at Carpenter Elementary School in Park Ridge, and I am here with Becky Keenan, fifth grade teacher also at Carpenter School, and we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, service project that uh, she and her students are organizing here at Carpenter and in the Park Ridge community. Uh, Becky, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, of course. Um, so the first thing I wanted to ask is just can you describe the fundraiser that you and the students of Carpenter School have organized? Yeah, we're doing something called the 10 Buck Challenge, and so all proceeds will go towards cataract surgeries in Nepal, and the idea is that a bunch of little donations can add up to something much bigger. Um, each surgery actually costs 60 bucks, but we're providing the subsidy for half of the cost of the surgery. So basically for every $30 we raise, we will be giving somebody the gift of sight back. That's great. How did you first learn about the need for cataract surgeries in Nepal? So my brother is a ophthalmologist at UCSF in California, that's University of California, San Francisco, and his job is to do research projects in developing countries to eliminate blindness. And um, a few years ago, I kind of um, did a, another fundraiser in connection with him for Ethiopia, and it was just amazing in like so many different ways. For one, obviously, the people in Ethiopia got clean water, and so that was a huge impact in their lives. But even the, the, there was a huge impact in our students' lives, too, where I just felt like they learned so much about a social cause, and I think it made them kind of um, reflect on their lives and like how lucky we are to have clean water here. Um, and so I thought there were a lot of cool aspects with that type of fundraiser. And so my brother and I were talking and he said, you know, if you want to do another fundraiser, there is a need for cataract surgeries, um, to be funded in Nepal. And, um, just as a side note, he doesn't put in wells every single year. That was just that particular year that he was doing that. And so I said, yeah, that sounds great. Um, we can kind of look into that. And, um, and so then I went to, to Nepal a few years ago and I went to the clinic that he set up in the hospital where the surgeries are going to be, um, going to be at. And um, I was all on board, and, and here we are today. <laughs> so, going uh, back to what you just said about your visit to Nepal, what were some of the biggest impressions made upon you by that visit, or some takeaways that you had from that trip? I think there were, yeah, quite a few things. So, one is, first of all, like the cataract situation. Like here in America, I don't think cataracts, they don't seem to be that big of a deal. Um, like people, they get screened pretty early and the cataracts are kind of taken care of fairly early. And so people don't go blind in America. It's not really a huge issue here. But in Nepal, it's a big issue because there just aren't as many doctors there to do the surgeries and people are living in rural Nepal. And so it's harder for them, first of all, to um, save enough money to get a surgery. The average person in Nepal makes something like 50 bucks a month. And if the surgery costs 60 bucks, that's going to take them a long time to save that money up. But then, um, people also, um, you know, might have transportation issues where they might take them, you know, additional funds to get to the hospital or take them time to get to the hospital. Um, and so just the fact that cataracts 
you know, are a, a more serious issue in Nepal. Um, but then it's also a bigger issue with their family because not only does it affect the person that's blind, but it affects their family members too. Um, like, for example, if if someone is blind, they will need help to do daily chores. And, and Nepal is just so much different than here. Like, they're, you know, they're cooking over a fire. You know, it's not like a stove. They're, there's not, you know, sidewalks over there. So when they're walking on a hilly, like, um, hill, uh, then they need they need help to walk over the rocks and stuff like that and walk down down um, the side of the, the mountain. So, Becky, you were talking about how the cataracts can affect not only the person suffering from them, but also their family members. How much did that conversation play into how you introduced this topic to your students? Well, I think that was a big topic because it wasn't just about getting the eyesight back. It was actually doing something that was more of a social justice type of um, of project because you're not just helping someone see again, you're helping someone um, be financially independent again. Because these, a lot of times these, well, yes, when people become blind, they cannot work. And so they're not making money. And then what happens is their sons or daughters want to help them. And so they will um, oftentimes stay with them for periods of time. And so, but that means that son or daughter is also not working and bringing money in. And, you know, my brother told me this before we went to Nepal and I thought he was just kind of exaggerating. But then I went and did some interviews with people that were getting cataract surgeries and they said the exact same thing. Like this one woman said that her son, uh, she had two sons and they would take turns living with her for a month to help her do basic chores like cooking and cleaning and going to the bathroom. And, um, Nepal is just a really poor country. So those, types of chores or tasks that we think could, you could do without being able to see are actually quite difficult because it's they don't have indoor plumbing. So you're going to an outhouse. You're cooking over like a fire. It's not a stove where you you know turn on a, a button and things like that. Yeah, but then you were also talking about some other like strong impressions that I had from Nepal. Like when I first got there, I went to Kathmandu, which is the capital. And that was just amazing because it was this super old town. Like I felt like I was in the middle of an Indiana Jones movie because like it was all these like, you know, brown brick buildings and cobblestone streets and all the, you know, the buildings were super close together and it was narrow passageways. And then you come across like this big temple and stuff like that. And and there were several temples in Kathmandu, at least in the old district. Um, but then you were also be reminded that there was this horrible earthquake that happened in 20. 15. Like when I went there, I had kind of forgotten that happened. And you saw these temples that were completely destroyed and they had, they had um, barricades over them because they were trying to reconstruct them piece by piece. So that was very interesting to see. And then we took a flight to Bratapur. That's where the hospital is. And that's an actual like town. Um, but then where my brother was doing work was in the rural part of Bratapur. And so we would get on little mopeds and go out into the countryside and, you know, it's, it's poor. It's really poor. Like I said before, there's, you know, no electricity, there's no running water, there's outhouses, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so you see the poverty, but it's also beautiful because they have these huge banana tree, uh, um, farms, um, cause it's mostly an agricultural society in that part of, um, Nepal. And so you have this mixture of, you know, complete poverty and, and um, these banana fields, and it just, that definitely left an impression. Um, then the other thing that was kind of interesting is, so my brother um, set up this clinic in the, um, basically in this remote area, and it's, it's not like the remote area had a, like a village where there was like a center of town or anything like that. And so um, what they did have, though, to kind of have I guess meetings every so often if they ever if the community ever needed to like get together was this place and it was basically I I don't, I don't want to call it a building because it only had 
like one wall. So if you picture like, uh, um, there was like basically two storage closets and then the ceiling jutting out from them with poles. And so the storage closets formed one wall and, but then the other three like quote unquote walls were completely open air. Does that make sense? But there was a roof to protect it from the rain. And so that's where the clinic was, where he was testing patients to see if they had, um, cataracts or other types of eye diseases. And so he, they kind of move stuff in the storage um, closets and put their equipment in there. And then people are waiting, you know, to, to be tested and stuff. But anyways, when we got there, like he knew he would need at least 45 minutes or an hour to set up. And there were already like 30 or 40 people waiting to be seen. And so for me, that left an impression because it's like these, there's a lot of people that want help um, with their eyesight and they, they want doctors to help them, but it's hard to either get to the doctors or they just don't have, um, as many doctors to be able to go and, and treat them and help them. Um, and then some other things, the people were extremely friendly and really happy to have us there. Like there was one night that we were, it was like one of the last nights we were there and um, they were having like kind of a banquet. And so one of the guys that was in my brother's study, he was like in his, you know, forties or fifties. And he um, had, <laughs> it was, um, like a special like recognition ceremony. And so they were giving like my brother and his colleagues all these different like little statues. It kind of looked like almost like a little like genie bottle or something. And so <laughs> they go and they, you know, give this to my brother and they say like this list of stuff that he's accomplished and like all his degrees and all this kind of stuff. And they do the same thing with his other, you know, people. And I'm like, oh my God, I hope they don't say my name. I hope they don't say my <laughs> name. And then eventually they're like, and for Becky. And then they don't say like for being here. Like they don't say anything afterwards. And I was like, I thought it was so nice that they did that. And so like welcoming, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't deserve to be up here getting like all this like applause. All I'm doing is like tagging along with my brother. And so they're very welcoming. They're very, they were very, very kind. Um, and it was, yeah, all around, it was just an awesome experience. That sounds like it. So Becky, I noticed that your fifth grade students created a video project to introduce and share this fundraiser with the school and with the community at large. Uh, tell us a little bit about what learning and research went into the creation of that video. Um, yeah, so I provided a lot of background knowledge um, about Nepal and about the effects of blindness to my students because I wanted them to see the social impact and also the financial impact it had on people living in Nepal. And then as far as the video goes, um, I kind of, we talked about the video and I gave them my ideas as far as what was um, all the different parts. And then the kids got to choose whether they wanted to be the correspondent um, and memorize a bunch of lines, if they wanted to work on the drawings for the stop motion, if they wanted to film the stop motion, um, if they wanted to interview the first graders. So there were different options for them to do to be um, a part of, of the video. And um, I have 28 students and we were able to get everybody have some part in the video, whether it was on screen or behind the scenes. And so I'm really, I'm really proud of what they did because they, um, they put a lot of time and effort into it. Now, this is not the first fundraiser that you've helped organize with Carpenter School and the Carpenter community. So based on your experience with this Nepal fundraiser and with the Ethiopia well digging fundraiser you did a few years ago, what do you see as some of the benefits of service and fundraising integrated into learning projects in the classroom. I like doing these types of things because I feel like you dig deeper into the culture. Like I know, you know, sometimes when I travel, you get um, kind of the surface layer of the culture where you are seeing like, um, 
what different sites look like, or you're tasting different types of food, you're experiencing the language and all that kind of stuff. But this type of stuff, you're not only experienced the culture at some level, but you're also um, introduced to different um, social um, issues that um, that culture is dealing with. So for example, with the Ethiopia fundraiser, when we did that a few years ago, my students became very aware of the water situation and what it was like in Ethiopia and you know to a certain extent in other parts of the world. And so they, um, it wasn't so much about just a surface level of the culture, like this is Ethiopia, they live you know, in remote areas where there's huts. It's like, no, they are struggling to get water and kids have to miss school because they are walking to get water. And so kids then saw that this was a social justice issue and that they could do something to be a part of it. And I think the same thing is happening with the Nepal fundraiser. This is not, it is It is about people getting their eyesight back and that is a wonderful thing and, and I am, that is amazing. But there's also a social justice impact where this fundraiser will not only help people get their eyesight back, but it will um, help them, um, first of all, become more independent, because right now I feel like people are very dependent on their family members. Um, it will increase happiness, and it's also going to help families become more financially secure. Like Nepal is already a really poor country, and by just donating 10 bucks, you can help somebody be able to see again and, and get them out of the poverty that they may find themselves in right now because they cannot work and their family members are not working because they're helping them. It sounds like they can be very empowering for your students as well because they're learning and realizing what an impact they can have on people, not just in our community, but communities around the world. It is. is pretty impressive. Yeah. And I think the other thing too with these fundraisers is you realize as a teacher, like what kind of impact you have, because sometimes you can kind of forget that from on the day-to-day -day basis, but then um, and I'm just drawing on my experience from the Ethiopia um, fundraiser, I had multiple, you know, kids come up to me and, and even adults say, you know, now when I turn on the water, I think about how lucky I am to have clean water. And, um, you know, we shouldn't waste this water because people in Ethiopia and other countries, you know, don't have clean, um, clean water and stuff. And so I think, you know, it's, it's a nice reminder that we are doing something important here and that we do have an impact and that we can make a social change by um, educating kids on what's going on in other parts of the world and, and kind of um, shining a light on it and, and letting them kind of see. And I think their parents do a good job doing this too. I don't think this is all just a school issue, but I think just letting them see that they are given many blessings here in America and that it's nice to pay that forward. Yeah, and the other thing I, you know, want to say is that I think um, – the families here in Park Ridge are awesome, and I think they do a really good job of teaching compassion to their children. And I think service projects like this help to support and reinforce what they're teaching at home. And it gives them an opportunity to put compassion in practice um, at a different level outside of the home. And so I'm really thankful for that because I really, like I said, I really enjoy teaching in Park Ridge, and I think it's an amazing community, and I feel very fortunate to be here at Carpenter. So um, in addition to service projects and fundraisers. Um, I know that you also attended a project-based learning conference last summer run by the Buck Institute. What connections in your experience can be made between PBL or project-based learning and service-based projects such as the Nepal fundraiser? Yeah, I love that workshop. I'm trying to implement more of like the philosophy behind project-based learning in my classroom. And so one of the philosophies is that you design projects that are real-world projects because it makes more of an impact um, on this on the student, and they'll be more motivated. And and it's you know there's lots of other positive reasons to do project-based learning. And so with this, there's a definite real outcome. And so when we're working on the video and using all these different um, 
like ways of using technology, whether it was the stop motion or the green screen or, um, you know, using the, the camcorder to do interviews and, and all that kind of stuff, whatever we were using, um, it was going towards a purpose. It wasn't just to do it just for fun. It was going for a greater mission. And so I think kids really did their best. Like for example, the stop motion, like I was expecting like good pictures, but I was not expecting the way that they turned out. They are beautiful drawings. Like I have them hanging up in my classroom now. Those kids spent so much time on those and they were taking them home and trying to make them look great. Like they even, like the stop motion in that video is only like a you know, maybe like, I think total a minute long, but people, um, wrote in like the Nepali language or my students wrote in the Nepali language on the stop motion pictures, which I mean, to take that time to look it up on Google and make sure you're writing like banana fields in Nepali or, or whatever was on the kitchen cabinet in Nepali and stuff like that. It just, it's pretty, it was pretty amazing to see that they put that much effort into it. And, um, so I thought that was, that was really, really cool. I think it speaks to the importance of having an authentic audience for your students' work. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. Uh, well, is there any additional information you want listeners of this podcast to know about the fundraiser or about events affiliated with the fundraiser? Speaking of events, yes, there is. I don't know when this podcast is going to air, but there is an event on Thursday, um, April 11th. Um, Mrs. Guy, she is a parent of one of my students, and she owns um, a dance company. And so they're doing a dance performance um, from 6 to 7 in the North Gym on Thursday, April 11th. Um, so I just want to mention that. Um, it's free, but there's a $10 donation. And that's here at Carpenter School, here, correct? Yes. But I also want to say that this fundraiser, it's making a real difference in people's lives. Um, like I referenced earlier, here in America, you hear cataract surgery and you don't really think it's that big of a deal because in America, it's not that big of a deal. But in Nepal, it's a huge deal. It's really impacting the lives of the person and it's impacting the lives of the family. Um, and by donating money, you are letting this person who was blind um not feel so isolated from people and feel independent again and have a sense of um, happiness in their life. And I think we are in an amazing position where the American dollar goes so far and just a little bit of money can dramatically uh, change someone's life. And the other really cool thing about cataract surgeries is it's a really um, cost-effective way to donate money. And the reason it's cost-effective is because it's super cheap. So it's, in this case, it'd be like 30 bucks would cover the cost of a surgery. Um, the surgery itself is quick. It's less than 15 minutes. And then they can see again in 24 hours. And so it's just a lot of bang for your buck. Um, whereas when we did the Ethiopia fundraiser, we had to raise at least $5,000 to make a difference in people's lives. Here, we just need to raise 30 and we've changed one person's life. And so I think that um, is amazing. And, and, then, um, and one other thing that I guess is kind of important, if people want to donate online, they can go to www.crowdrise.com forward slash 10 dash buck dash challenge. And I guess I just want to end with saying like one of the great things about working at Carpenter and in Park Ridge, but especially Carpenter, is that we're known as a little school with a big heart. And when we do any type of service project, whether it's something like this or the Ethiopia fundraiser or the things that student council does or giving donations to a school that had a really bad fire, it shows that we really are the little school with a big heart. And I think that's a compliment to the families that are here. They're very compassionate families and they are very generous families. And so I just want to say... Thank you to anyone that's willing to donate because you are making a huge difference in someone's life that is living halfway across the world who you will never meet, but it means a big, big deal um, to them. So thank you very much. 
All right. Well, thank you, Becky, so much for joining us today. Um, I just wanted to thank you again, not only for being uh, part of our podcast, but also for the work that you're doing for the school (laughs) and with your students and in the community. I think it's amazing. So thanks again and keep it up. All right. Thanks. Thanks for having me. That is all we have time for today. But I wanted to once again thank our guest, Becky Keenan, fifth grade teacher from Carpenter Elementary School, for joining us today and for all of her great work with the students of Carpenter School. And I want to thank all of you for listening. We'll see you next time.